following was recorded at the Seeking Peace Story Show, August 10th, 2017, at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Scott Persig lives in Albert Lee with his high school sweetheart, Sherry. You may see Scott gleefully carrying mail in the Shoreland Heights area each day. You walk in your spare time, he gets paid for it. <laughs> Scott and Sherry live vicariously through their three grown sons, partaking in their jobs, passions, adventures, and travels. Scott also has a passion for travel. Whether it's a solo canoe trip through the wilderness, a trip anywhere with his wife, visiting his son in Spain, or to a different NFL stadium every year with his sons to watch his beloved Vikings. His most treasured possessions are the accumulated memories those trips have provided. The Great Show by Scott Persig. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's drive straight north into northern Ontario until we literally run out of road. Put our canoe in there and start paddling north as far as we can. Then have a bush plane pick us up and we're done. My canoeing partner knew. He knew. That's exactly what I was thinking. It was 1994 and we had traveled throughout the two million acre Boundary Waters Quetico country the previous 16 years and we we're looking for something even bigger, even more remote, even more challenging. So that September we did just that. We drove into Canada until the roads ended and started our trip. Heading north from there, we wouldn't hit another road until somewhere in Russia. Well, we probably wouldn't make it that far, but we planned on traveling well over 100 miles. Traveling large lakes one after another, not seeing another person, filled me with elation and excitement. The portages, a trail between two bodies of water, were a nice break in between the long paddles. Places to camp were not always easy to find, but wherever we plopped our tent, it seemed like it was a spot saved just for us. I was in awe on one of the first evenings while making camp. I realized that the beating of my heart was the only sound to be heard. I stopped chopping for a second and listened. Not a sound. The Northwoods can surprise you sometimes with its absence of sound. When the birds, insects, and the like are still, the silence is not only captivating, but it's mesmerizing. And the vastness of this land that was so far north made the stillness even more spellbinding. This elevated my appreciation of our adventure to an even higher level. Several days in, on one of the largest lakes in our trip, we were greeted with rollers one after another in our path. As I surveyed our passage down the expanse of the lake, I was impressed and humbled at the size and power of the waves, but truth be told, I felt intimidated, frightened. Hugging the shore and making impromptu portages, we advanced deliberately down the lake. The end of the lake coincided with the end of the day. Exhausted and hungry, we rounded a point to head up the channel we needed to follow. To our surprise and excitement, we saw a flying cabin with no one around. Hmm. After a tough wilderness day, a cabin and a bed might feel pretty darn good. As we walked up to the cabin, we realized that someone had left behind full cases of beer that were just sitting by the front door. <laughs> about the time we thought about investigating the cabin and well, to be honest, the beer. A man suddenly walked out the door, standing guard over the beer like a mama bear protecting her cubs. After the usual grilling and how exactly we got to their lake without a plane, he slowly began to warm up to us. He finally explained the inactivity at the camp. My three buddies are out fishing, he said. I, I stayed behind because I didn't feel well. 
Hearing about the challenges of the trip, and in particular the struggles crossing the lake, he glanced over to a smaller cabin set behind theirs. There's an extra cabin back there if you guys want to stay, he offered. We politely declined. It would have lessened the challenge we demanded of ourselves when we planned this trip. Sharing the camp with those that arrived through the air and all the luxuries that come with that opulence seemed unnatural, so we hopped back in the canoe and moved on. Paddling away, however, we looked longingly over our shoulder at the patrol brews, and we accepted the fact that those beverages were a luxury not granted to our way of travel. We did not know it at the time, but the indisposed sentinel of the Molson would be the last person we would see until our last lake. As the days and the lakes fell in line behind us, we fell into the rhythm of a peaceful wilderness canoe travel, a rhythm only experienced after several days into an excursion like this. Our lake travel shifted to river travel for a few days. The change was delightful and enjoyable, but also demanding and arduous. The portages, although marked on the map, were seldom used, and there were numerous rapids that weren't marked. It was exasperating and exciting all at the same time. After the river, we had just one more lake to cross before we got to the last lake. Our bush pilot was familiar with the pickup lake because he owned a fly-in cabin on it. Now, we hadn't passed any cabins in several days and were desperately hoping our last day would continue with that quiet serenity. As we ran a little rapids that entered into that last lake, we were euphoric. 120 miles between us and the nearest road. We arrived at that final destination knowing that we had carried all our food, shelter, minimal necessities on our backs. On the scarcely used portages, we grappled with every branch or fallen tree that was in the way, slogged through the mud, and at times had to hop from one rock to the next. These tasks would have been incredibly demanding even without the heavy packs or canoe on our backs. On the water, we cursed the wind that brought the rollers, and additionally, we were stymied by the rapids not marked on the map. It was a labor of love, and all worth it, and even better than I had imagined. The pine duff, the rocks, a little moss is our lazy boy, the ground our bed. I not only felt closer to the wilderness, I felt a strong kinship to those who had traveled that same country long ago, knowing we had traveled in the same manner, every inch not achieved by some mechanical means, but by our own sweat and equity. But as we were paddling around looking for a suitable campsite, we heard the unfamiliar but now strikingly obnoxious sound of a motor. And sure enough, a boat was headed our way. It was an older couple who flew in just a couple of days before. It took us a better part of a half hour to convince them that we actually paddled and portaged all that distance to get there. Here, take a few fish, the old man said as he lifted his stringer of walleyes. We have plenty. Isn't this lake beautiful? Our cabin's in the perfect spot over on that point. He had a smile all the while he was talking. You could tell he loved being there. Come on over later if you want, he said over the roar of the outboard as they pulled away. But as I watched their boat head back toward their cabin, I thought about how we both arrived at that spot in such a different fashion. To us, the lake seemed so remote and wild, we'd worked so hard to get there. We'd travel lake after lake all alone. To them, the lake was a plane ride, probably taken right after a Grand Slam breakfast at Denny's. <laughs> they probably digested it on board the plane while taking a nap. And when they arrived, the pilot unloaded all the comforts they wanted for their time in the North Country and carried it all right into their cabin. That night after we finished supper, we wandered down to the shore in the dark. What we saw was the greatest natural show I have ever witnessed. The northern lights were in their full glory, a spectacular display of stunning, vivid colors. 
coupled with wild, intense dancing movement, covering most of the sky as if to say joyfully, this is your reward, guys. As our hoops and hollers finally faded into the night with a light show, we headed off to bed. With a clear night and no clouds, we took off the rain fly so we could look up at the heavens as we fell asleep. Laying in my sleeping bag, looking up at the sky, I thought about that old couple again. I'm sure the northern lights looked the same to them. Did it feel the same to them? Could it? Does it really make a difference that we journeyed to this latitude by a different mode and speed of travel? The next morning, we headed out one last time to catch a few fish for breakfast. After landing a couple of northerns, we saw the old couple fishing over in the quiet bay. We paddled over to share with them the camaraderie and wonder of the previous night's exhibition. We didn't see anything, the old man said. Turns out they missed it all. They were under their roof, in their cabin, away from the wind, the bugs, the chill, away from the great show. Hours later, our pilot broke the still northern silence when we heard his beaver plane come soaring over the tree line. The 120-mile ride back took no time at all, really. But looking down, I knew that traveling quickly up in the air in this way, the wilderness just didn't have the same opportunity to soak in and become a part of us. I thought of wilderness guide, teacher, and author Sigurd Olson's words in his book, The Singing Wilderness. You need to work for the joy of knowing the wilderness. You need to travel like a mole, burrowing through the timber or brush or portages, creeping slowly down the rivers and over wind-roughened lakes, Learn the feel of the rocks under your feet and be a part of the wilderness itself. As I watched the cumbersome trees turn into little sticks, I kept thinking about the smile on that old man's face. And I realized that maybe the old couple found the peace they sought as well. But I wouldn't have found it their way. For me, the only way to find that peace was to truly become a component of the wilderness itself and travel through it gradually, just like we did. One stroke and one step at a time. The Seeking Peace Story Show is produced by Riley Wirth and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. To hear more, check out our Facebook page and the Story Show podcast. Our intro and outro music was composed by Jasper Corey Flatto.